every time when you have opposition, when you feel like you're in the middle of a struggle, know this, know it well, that the reason you're in struggle is because you had become a threat, because the devil has seen what God will do to and through you. So it's time to rejoice. Even in the darkest moment of your life, it's just going to be a moment. It shall come to pass. Your season of rejoicing is coming and you need to remind the devil if he keeps bothering you. If it's if not yourself, remind the devil, hey devil, I know you're afraid of me. I know you're a roaring lion with no fang. I know that you're defeated. I know you're going straight to hell and the lake of fire is waiting for you. I know that I'm a overcomer. So whatever you throw at me, ha ha, you are going to lake of fire. You need to learn how to rejoice and in fact taunt him. He said, oh, don't do that. I, they might, the devil might come and roaring back harder. But greater is he that is in you. He can't do anything without the permission of the Father anyways. He can't roll as much as he wants without the permission of the Father. He's helpless. He can't do anything. And if God permits it, he knows you can handle it. Okay? So that's number one. The goodness and miracle of God will be a great, great testimony for you and for and against those who are against you. Number two, I promise you this last week. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 to 3, and 8 and 9. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, so we're talking about possessing the land. First, you need to know the devil is afraid of you. So don't worry if they seem to be like giants. They're afraid of you. The devil is afraid of you. So you just go, go ahead and conquer them and take it in Jesus' name. Number two, before you do that, chapter two. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath, Harleth, Haroth, Haraloth. I don't know. Verse eight. The circumcision of the whole nation was finished. They remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. After the circumcision and after they were healed, verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gigal to this day. Now, I first of all, God is saying to the people of Israel that because of the circumcision, now the reproach of Egypt is now being rolled away or taken away. The shame of Egypt, the, the bondage of Egypt, the struggle of Egypt. You may have left Egypt. Your parents, in fact, God is speaking to the second generation. Your parents may have left Egypt. And yet they keep passing down to you the mindset of a slave. The mindset of the ones who would be willing to struggle under another. The mindset of the ones that is always in fear. In fear of lack. In fear. In fear of being harmed. That mindset. God will roll it away from you. And God has rolled it away from them. So they no longer, they no longer think like a slave or think like children of slaves. 
graves and they have that shame, that, that history. You know, we always worry about the history, that our history, how our history has been a failure, how our history has been a defeat, how we have not had great history. But God is saying to you this morning is that as you're being circumcised, don't worry, we're not doing physical for circumcision. I'll explain to you in the New Testament what it means. But let's just, just hang on with me, okay? As you are circumcised, God is going to remove all of those identity issues that you have about who who you are, who you were actually, who you were, and just roll that away. Whatever that you think about yourself that is negative because of the mistakes you've made or because of whatever things that people have done to you, whatever that is, God wants to roll that away from you. It is as good as it had never happened to you. That's what God is saying is that I have rolled away the reproach, the shame of Egypt, all the bondage, all the struggles, all the identity that you have, you, you, you have lived by. I am rolling away. You are no longer known as a slave of Egypt, but you are known to be the child of God, the chosen one of God, and you are no longer called something that people don't want, but you are called a precious child of God, and you're going to walk around with your feet high, with your, with, with your face lifted, with your shoulder lifted, and your feet is bouncing, believing that you're no longer slave. You are never slave because now, as far as God is concerned, and therefore the world should know this, that you are a child of God. Always had been and always will be. That's your promise. Now, watch this. Romans chapter 2, verse 29. Paul now is addressing the churches in the Rome, in, in the Roman churches, the Roman believers. Because there was this big debate about circumcision. Because they say, you know, if you want to be part of Christianity, which is a Jewish thing, you therefore need to have circumcision. Because this is how God will cause you to be identified as sons and daughters of God. Well, here Paul is disputing that fact. He said, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. So by the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man but from God. Circumcision, in fact, if you go to verse 28 and prior to, he said even if you're circumcised, if you disobey the law, you might as well not be circumcised at all. It's useless. And we know that nobody can ever, ever, had ever, ever kept the 613 laws that Moses had given. So for them, circumcision was somewhat of a useless exercise for them. Because the heart was not circumcised. And so what Paul is teaching is that for believers, our heart needs to be circumcised. In other words, inside, we need to begin to believe in God and shift our thinking about, number one, our identity and the shame of our past. I want to tell you this. You and I can never take possession of the promises of God is nothing if nothing is changed on the inside. I heard, you know, I'm, I kind of subscribe to this um, John Maxwell leadership. Maxwell, a minute. I don't know if some of you have subscribed to it. So, you know, every day, get, uh, Maxwell, a minute, you know, and, and t teaches about leadership and this sort of thing. And, and so I, I'm always very interested in finding out what he has to say. And I learned a lot from that. And, and this morning, actually, he, he had this email about, um, about expanding. And so he was addressing business people. 
He said a lot of people want expansion and they do it from the outside. But there's something in them that is not, it's not dealt with. I'm paraphrasing what he said. And so the expansion is very temporary. It's just, it's just very temporary. And so what he, what he was encouraged, the leaders, the business leaders specifically, is that he said, why don't you expand on the inside first? Then the outside will expand automatically. Many of us are not, let's use money, because money is such an easy thing to understand. It's an easy concept, but, you know, it should apply to everything. Many of us are not millionaires because we are not millionaires on the inside. What does that mean? It means that you spend millions like crazy? No, that's, that's not a millionaire mentality. Many of us do not have that millionaire capacity, and therefore, we're not millionaires. Many of us are not in the place and position where we think we ought to be because something is on the inside that is not dealt with. I often pray, and I'm praying this day, especially when it comes to the end of the year, I'm trying to think about, okay, God, what can I do? How can I change? And so forth. I'm asking the Lord almost on a daily basis, God, can you show me what is inside of me that needs to be circumcised, needs to be taken away? needs to be removed because what's inside of me is what prevents me from taking a hold of what God has for me. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, the blessing of God, the promises of God is not being held, by, held back in heaven. Heaven is not holding back the promises. It's not like God is holding back the promise. Like, boop, 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 boop. No, 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 you're not qualified yet. No, I can't give it to you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Work harder, sorry. And then you work, you slave away. Please, God, please, please, please. That's a religious mindset. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that he has already exhausted all the gifts. In other words, all gifts already been given to you. All the spiritual is done. So why are you not having it? Well, it's because you can't receive it. It's there already. So the difference between religious thinking and, and, and proper thinking is that religious thinking, you choose, you still try to do something to please God so that he can give you some morsel of blessing. Come on. We are more educated than that. You know, we always think of God as like this mean person, you know, just holding back blessing. Ah, you can't have it. Work harder. Torture yourself harder. Pray more. Read the Bible more, even though you get nothing out of it. That's a religious thinking. You do things to please God. Let me tell you this. God loves you already. He loves you like man, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He is so manly in love with you. Now, we do all that we do. You come here on Sunday morning. You come to learn. And you pray every day. You ask God, is there anything in me inwardly needs to be changed so that I can take possession of what has already been given. It's right there. It's sitting there. It's sitting there right in front of you. I, I can't see it. Well, that's a problem because you can't see it. It's not because it's not there. You can't see it. It's right there. What is it you've been waiting for? What is, what is it that you've been contending for? What is it? Well, I, I, would, I would submit to you this morning that the reason you haven't got it is because you can't see it. The reason you can't see it is because your heart is not circumcised. And God wants to circumcise you. What does that mean? He needs to remove stuff, mindset, stuff out of your life so that you can now walk in that liberty and freedom to take possession of what has already been given to you. 
Some of you having your hands tied back or your eyes being blindfolded. That's why you can't see the promises of God. It is never the intention of God for us to live in misery and struggle and have, have lack. It's never the plan of God. God wants to bless you fully. He wants to bless you abundantly. You say, well, that's not true. You know, there are people in other parts of the world. Let me tell you this. There are Christians in other parts of the world. They may not have a car to drive, but they have food on the table. The Christians in other parts of the world are experiencing more miraculous provision than we North Americans. If you measure success and provision on the materialistic things, then, then, then you, you got the wrong measurement. It doesn't work. Materialism is not the measure of the provision of God. Having a car does not mean that you are more spiritual and more blessed than other people. Are you here this morning? We have to be so careful to guard our hearts from materialism. Yes, God will bless you. He had blessed you. He had, you know, we always say he will bless you. He already blessed you. We should stop saying God will bless you. No, man, he already blessed you. Yes, God has blessed you, but you can't see it. You just, you just, you're just too preoccupied. Too preoccupied. I know this about my life, myself as a person. That I see myself having more traction in what it is that I am believing in God for when he started to change me. And one of the greatest things that he's changing in my life and had been doing so for the past since I was born is pride. This pride sometimes comes in the guise of humility. And the Holy Spirit needs to check me all the time. Sometimes I say things that I shouldn't be saying. You know, I watch myself in the video, right? Just, just watch myself in the video and, and I would go, oh man, why did I do that again? Why did I say that? So stupid. Stop, 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 right? I could edit it out. Got it. And I'll tell you this, almost 10 out of 10 times it's because of either blatant pride of wanting to be braggadocious or insecurity, which is pride also. And the Lord has been kind of chisel that away. You know, I remember one time I was praying to the Lord. I was frustrated about certain things, certain things. And I said, God, why is it not happening? Why? Why? And the Lord says, why are you so frustrated? Well, because I believe that you were going to do it. And then he stopped me. He said, well, just because you believe, does it mean that you are entitled? See, that's entitlement spirit that is so prevalent in churches. We feel like we're entitled. Yet this is true. He is true for his word. He is true to his word. He will bless you. He will bless you according to his word. Absolutely. And I believe that with all my heart, and I still believe in the word of God. I trust his word. But the minute I step into that place of entitlement, then pride comes in. Pride comes in, and when pride comes in, I'm now prevented to see and possess. And so that is this hard issue 
I want to say this. I will venture to say this. 99.99999% of the time, the reason why many of us are not having our prayer answer is because of something in our heart that has not been dealt with. And His grace and His mercy, He cannot grant you that. Otherwise, it will embolden that very thing He wants to circumcise away. Did you get that? The reason He hasn't answered our prayer is because He knows if He does, it will embolden the very thing that He wants to circumcise out of our heart. Can you imagine you, you and I, like I have a pride issue, like super pride issue, right? And then I get all my prayer answer. God will then embolden my pride. I would think that I'm entitled. Look at me. Look how great I am. Then sing my soul. Paul Koo, you are so great. How great I am. You know, that, that's, that's what a lot of believers had to struggle with. I had to struggle with it. Every relationship issues, every relationship problems can be quickly solved is pride, if pride is out of the picture. Every argument can be quickly solved. I know that for a fact, right? Because I'm married, right? So every argument can be quickly solved when pride is removed out of the conversation. Sometimes my daughter needs to remind me that. Stop it, Dad. Stop it. Just let it go. Yes, baby. Did you, was I clear? Okay. Now let's go to the next one. So we're talking about possessing the promises of God. You are at the precipice of just right in front. Just right in front. The Bible says he had spread the table before your enemy. Right there. Shandai. Just right there. Just but, you know, man, many of us, if you're blind, you can't see it. Nothing. And sometimes some of us have blinds and hands tied behind our back. I don't see it. I don't experience nothing. Nothing. All of them are fake. We just can't see it. Because our heart needs to be circumcised. So I pray today that you have this prayer in your heart. If you need to come out later during the prayer service, during the uh, uh, ministry time, just say, God, what, what is it that you need to circumcise in my heart today that have prevented me from experiencing and realizing your promises? I ask for that, to circumcise my heart. Do that now. Next one. One of the greatest ways to receive a promise of God is through communion. I'll show you. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. This is right before they enter into the promised land and start taking Jericho out. Jericho is the first city, right? So just right before that, and God is like, all right, I need you to do something else. I'm going to circumcise you now. The reproach is gone, and this is what I'm going to do. While the people of Israel encamped in Gigal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, the unleavened cakes and parched grain. Okay, let's stop here first. Okay, now, if you understand communion, you will know that communion did not start 2,000 years ago by Jesus. It's actually started way before. 
Abraham actually had communion um, with King Melchizedek. So communion is something that it's, it's a foreshadow, all pointed to Jesus nonetheless, but they had communion all the way from the old days all the way to Jesus' day. So throughout the history of the Old Testament, there's always, every time you see Passover, is a communion. Passover is a communion. And every single time, over the, over the past 40 years, while the people of Israel were walking in the desert, I talked about it last week, they didn't experience, or last, or in cell group, I can't remember, they didn't experience any sickness and lack. It's because they had communion just right before they left. So communion is very powerful. I do communion. I, I'm so glad to hear that so many people are doing communion every day. The Welsh company must be thanking us. Because many people decided to go and buy Welsh grape juice just to compensate the juice we have here on, on Monday, on once a month. Never mind. Inside joke. You guys stop it. You know, just. I'm so glad. It's a good spiritual practice. Now, I want to warn you, don't practice it out of ritual because you get nothing out of it. Practice out of faith. How do you make sure you have faith? We make sure that you recite, you just remember the Word of God. Meditate and remember the importance. If that is not helping, just go to YouTube. Look for those people who talk about communion, teach about, you know, Joseph Prince has this amazing teaching on communion, you know. Just, just go and, and download from somebody. Buy it from, from online or whatever. And, you know, just, just, just such a powerful teaching, you know. So I want to encourage you to eat by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. So when you need faith, you want your faith to be stirred, just Listen to preaching on, on the particular subject that you want your faith to be stirred. And so I would do that. I would just listen. And, you know, sometimes in the morning, you're all in a rush. So you can't really listen to, you know, some of those sermons are like two hours long. Who has the time for that, right? So, so you need to go to work, right? But, you know, if you don't have to rush, maybe you just do it after work. You come home. You just sit down. You tell your kids to just don't bother you. Give them candy, sugar, whatever. Just, just stave them off for like five minutes. Sit down. Rest. That's really powerful when you take communion. You know, the Bible says that Jesus said that if you eat his flesh and drink his blood, one of the four promises he said is that you will abide in him. It's so powerful to be abiding in Jesus. And so if you want Jesus to abide in you, you in him, I encourage you to take communion. But taking communion is also allowing you and reminds you that the works, listen, is already done. You see, for the people of Israel, God has already given them. Everybody say, given them. It's past tense, given them the land. It's theirs already. They just have to go in and take it. But they still need to take it nonetheless. Right? But it's given them. If you realize that the promise already given to you, it's a lot easier to get it. Right? Rather than try to strive, try to strive. I need to work at it to get this. If you know and you know and you know and you know... We just got a wedding yesterday. I'm going to talk about it. You know that God has, is faithful and he will promise you a spouse? Take it easy. Don't be too desperate. Amen. Your man, your woman, it's going to show up. I declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to be awesome. Communion is to remind you what Jesus had done for you. And that you have the victory, you have the blessings, okay? Just because, just because of what Jesus done on the cross. Now, the next one is very interesting, verse 12. After they had communion, the manna ceased. 
Seize the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Now let's pause here and think about this a little bit. I want you to pay fair, careful attention to this, okay? Provision and miracles of God change with your stature. Before they enter into the promise of God, there were manna raining nonstop, faithfully, food, just provision. Didn't even have to work for it. Now they start stepping into that promise. All of a sudden, the food stopped. You can confuse that with that God is turning away from you or that you can confuse that the provision of God suddenly had stopped because you've done something wrong. You can also confuse with the fact that, you know, uh, 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 that, that God is no longer wanting to provide for you. There's a lot of deception the enemy wants you to believe. Listen to this very carefully. If you have been used to one kind of provision, one way of provision, and that provision stop, I need you to pay attention. It is not because God has stopped providing for you, but because you have entered into a new season with a greater stature in the eyes of God. Did you understand that? So don't keep looking down at this way how God is going to provide you. I want to say this to you, okay? I'm not telling you not to get a job. Some of you may be, you know, you, your job, your provision has been from one business, one job, one employer. Now there's a shift. All of a sudden, that provision dried up. Are you here? And many Christians will get panicked. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. EI. Whatever, right? So... That provision dried up. We, th- we would think, oh, something is, ha- something, something is going on. Something's wrong is happening. But the fact of the matter is that if they open their eyes, they're actually entering into another season that now that season has a different kind of provision. Yes, Amen. You no longer need to have an employment for provision. See, for people who start businesses, they understand we work to make a living. We get involved in businesses to have a life, a lifestyle from the profits, freedom. But many people cannot understand how provision will work without a job. And so they would never, never risk having a business of their own. This is a very simple explanation, right? I'm not saying you go ahead and just start a business and quit the job tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just using an analogy to make you understand. There are some of you are in the new season of your life that something has shifted and you're very concerned about it. Let me... 
I, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, don't be, because there, this, the reason this, this area of provision is drying up is because God is now moving you to a new season and that your provision is coming from another way. This way, you depend on God 100% for them. Manna, 100%. God doesn't provide this, starve to death, right? Manna, manna. This way is now you're partnering with God for them. Because why? Now they're more mature. Now they have a, they're no longer slave. They, the reproach has rolled away. The thinking has changed. And so is all this, this provision. It's not necessary anymore. God wants you to move to this area where you can partner with Him now. He needs you to get involved, to partner with Him so that you can be prosperous and so that you can possess the land that God had given you. So don't keep on just barking on that tree because that tree now had dried up. Now, I'm going to skip all the way to the end of Joshua. But before I do that, between where we're at, the provision seas, and the conquering the Canaan land, the people of Israel in seven years defeated 31 kingdoms. 31 in seven years. Defeated 31 kingdoms. And now Joshua is 92 years old. He's old. But they have a lot of things that they accomplished. And God revealed to them great things, give them great success. But in chapter 13, verse 13, the Word of God says, Yet the people of Israel did not dry out all the Gersherites, or the Mechatites, or the Batgesher and Mecca, Mechath, dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. In another scripture, it says it becomes a, 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 a sore in their eyes to these days. Let me say this, and I'm going to say it with a lot of love and grace, because we're all in grace and love. The reason why the people of Israel had left some of the inhabitants in the land is because either they didn't have the strength to carry on or didn't think they had the strength to carry on or they made compromise and agreement with the locals. If you ever want God to bless you fully, that you will always be victorious, you and I must never, never allow even one little toe of compromise. Come on. Some of our success is only 80% because we compromise 20%. I want to tell you this, that compromise, you know, God still loves you. You're under the blood of Jesus and you're still going to heaven. But I tell you this, this compromise is going to come back and haunt you which it did until the last day that Israel existed as a nation. In fact, they were party to the destruction of Israel at the end because these locals had compromised, the, the, the people of Israel had compromised with the locals. You see, the reason we compromise is because we just don't have enough strength. We just like, we fought a long war 
and we just had enough. And the reason is because we fought it with our own strength. Or we fought it with our own rationale thinking. We fought our own logic. When God give you an instruction, listen very carefully. And God had given some of us some instruction about your possession, about your promises. 80% is not good enough. Following 80% is not good enough. It has to be all the way or don't worry about it. You see, is, is it really that kind of binary thing? It is very binary. The Word of God is very binary. It is either yes or no. There's no in between. Yay and nay. No in between. Not like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Now, I know that in the world we're living in, to prevent wars, nations need to compromise. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your life. If you let one little sin to prevail, now God will always forgive you. He loves you. He understands your struggle. But you permit that sin to stick around. The operative word is permitting. Then that little thing will be the very thing that will haunt you for the rest of your life. Not that God is haunting you. He's not. It will haunt you until you decided to get rid of it. But that little thing actually grows. Grows more and more. You just let it go, and it grows bigger. You let it go, it grows bigger. You let it go, it grows bigger. Before you know it, it overtakes your life. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to tell you the truth. Some of us are struggling and struggling and struggling. If you, within your heart, you say, God, I don't want to live in compromise anymore. There's certain areas that you pointed in my life. Nobody told me. Only you telling me. It's been bothering me. I have decided for 2019, before I get into 2019, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm just going to deal with it. I know that if you honor God, He will honor you. It is tough. It is hard. But don't allow compromise to eat away your promises. Don't let compromise to steal you from your promises or to steal your promises from you. Don't let compromise to cause you to never be able to possess the promises that God had given you already. It's not about whether you're going to please God or go to heaven. We're all under the blood of Jesus and if you confess your sin, you're going to go to heaven. His grace is sufficient for you. And, and you, can, you can fall a hundred times. It's okay. Rise up. His grace is sufficient. Where sins abound, grace is much more abound. And He will give you the opportunity. But the day you say, okay, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to tolerate this. That's when trouble comes. Finally. Do you still love me? Are we good? So quiet. I want to encourage you because it is the promise of God that in 2019 that you will not compromise even one thing. Don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise anything. Don't compromise especially in the area of sin. You know what it is. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I don't know what you do and it's none of my business. 
I won't ask. Nor would I prejudge you. That's none of my business. Because God loves you so much. He loves you so much. Some of you are struggling with your businesses. You're wondering, why is it that I'm not having a breakthrough? Perhaps there's a tax issue that you've compromised. Perhaps there's some corner that you have cut some corners. Fix that. You see the blessings of God come to your life. Some of us are not prospering in our career or whatever. Maybe there's some kind of compromise at workplace, compromise of your faith, who you are, compromise about your belief system just to please your boss or please people around you. I'm not asking you to be, to be, to be rude. I'm not asking you to be, to be so, so religious. I'm not asking you to be holier than thou. I'm not asking you to be, to be, to be somebody that is proud, spiritually proud. I'm not talking about that. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Because God has blessed you with all, all spiritual blessings, all yours. He loves you so much. He wants to keep pouring out over your lives. As long as you're willing and wanting, he wants to keep pouring out. He said, you know, you said, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in the past. It's okay. Past is past. His grace is sufficient. Come and confess your sin. First one, John 9 says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and righteous. He'll, he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all all your unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. He will forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness just because Jesus had paid the price and that's why he cannot judge you twice. Faithful and just. That's why you're guaranteed that he cleanses your sin forever. So don't compromise. I encourage you. All right, let me close with this. Worship team, can you come and get ready? Joshua 24 let this be a testament in 2019. Now Joshua is about to pass away. They have possessed all that they have possessed. They've conquered the land. They've divided up the land. There's still a lot of war will take place in Judges, you can see. And so Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day, choose this day whom you will serve. In other words, if it's not beneficial in your eyes to serve the Lord, you choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you do what you dwell, but as for me and my house, say this, as for me and my house. You say, Pastor, I just don't have any authority over it, but you're declaring by faith right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If this is your testimony, give him a praise this morning. Come on, praise the Lord. If you go into Judges, you'll find out in Judges, there is this statement that is being said. The generation that did not witness the miracles of God that Joshua had led the people to experience started to forsake God. They already possessed the land. They got all that they got. And because they did not see how it happened, 
and that the parents started to take it easy to rest in the laurel of the success, if you may. People no longer need God as bad. So miracles happen less. They have social safety net, if you may, and they don't need God as much anymore. So less miracles are happening. And because of that, the new generation that came out says, well, let's do something else. I want to encourage you this morning is that not only for your sake, for your children's sake. You say, I don't have any children. Well, for those that will come after you, younger generation, be as desperate and hungry for God as you were when you were still struggling to become an overcomer. Always desperate for God for more. Don't just settle. Don't settle this morning.